a hybrid model is one of the most difficult models to operate because now you're managing two cultures instead of one. In a 100% in-office setup, everyone's together. In a 100% remote setup, everyone's distributed. But in a hybrid setup, you have some people in the office and some people distributed. So the dynamic is a lot different there. So a hybrid model is actually very difficult to manage. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult. Other things that I noticed is that there's not, none of that water cooler talk if you're a completely remote operation, and some people are probably experiencing that right now. And without being intentional about building processes around keeping the team together and managing culture, the culture will just dissipate, and you might find people feeling very distant to the company. So you have to be very intentional about building processes around culture. Hi, I'm Danny, And I'm Nicole. Welcome to the Spend Culture Stories podcast, where we explore the connection between company spending and culture. Join us as we dive deep into understanding the people, processes, and tools that make up spend as a whole, or what we call spend culture. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spend Culture Stories podcast. Uh, here I am in my home office uh, today, as I'm sure a lot of you guys are with the whole uh, COVID-19 situation. But you know what? It just makes it a lot more comfortable for me to talk to a lot of the great guests that we have for you guys every week. And super excited to kind of kick off quarantine edition with Ryan Lazanis. And he is the founder of Future Firm. So he used to be a cloud-based accounting firm owner, which was part of um, Zen Accounting in 2013. But then it got acquired at 2018. So at Future Firm, Ryan provides resources to firms looking to modernize and stay on the cutting edge. He also has a free weekly email called Future Firm Weekly Top 5 that curates the top five pieces of content that firm owners need to know about each week to help modernize their firm. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for coming on to the show. Danny, thank you very much. Really do appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I remember finding you on my LinkedIn, and I really liked a lot of the articles that you've written um, to help cloud-based accounting firm owners modernize their firms. Um, what are some of the trends that you've seen so far when it comes to this topic? I think what we're seeing now, I think there was a few trends leading up to this whole COVID-19 situation. And, and really, it's we've just seen that increase at an incredible pace now. And I think we've seen firms moving to the cloud. We've seen accountants moving to the cloud over the past few years. We've seen you know firms and accountants moving to a remote work model. Businesses like accounting firms have been leveraging online marketing channels a little bit more heavily. But I think COVID-19 has really just exasperated the entire situation situation and has really forced a lot of businesses to act quickly to help move their model into the future. Otherwise, they just won't be able to operate. So I think some of the things that we saw leading up to this were certainly about moving to the cloud, implementing technology to automate processes online, hiring and managing a remote workforce. These are some of the things that are really top of mind for the firms that I was working with and some of the firms I was speaking to leading up to this. And certainly now this is becoming a much hotter issue. I know you were already in the forefront um, when you founded your own firm in 2013, which was 100% cloud-based. So what do you think are some of the things that keep accounting firms behind the trends? What are some of the things that you think people are not willing to let go of yet? 
It's really, for the most part, change management. Accountants in general are a conservative bunch. I think we've been taught to be conservative. (laughs) And uh, that doesn't go well usually with innovation. So accounting firms and a lot of businesses have had a model that has worked very well for them for the last few decades. So sometimes there's not a huge incentive to change. But now what we're seeing is that if you don't change, you, you know, they say like adapt or die. I think that's Mm -hmm. almost quite literal at the moment. Your business cannot exist (laughs) if you do not adapt right now. So, yeah, I think hopefully I've answered your question on that one. Yeah, I think it's super interesting how this COVID-19 situation is like a forcing function for cloud accounting firms to really think differently on how they're servicing their clients and the technology that they use. Yeah, I fully agree with you on that one. So I'm curious, with the light of the economic downturn, how do you think these accounting firms can really change their processes to make sure that they're servicing their clients within remote work and also um, making sure that they're implementing the right tools? Right now, a lot of people have their heads down and a lot of them are in crisis and survival mode. So they're just trying to keep their head above water. But I think it's also shining a light in areas of the business that weren't functioning properly before this whole crisis. And certainly, if you look at it from a client perspective, clients have wanted to work remotely and wanted to work online and they wanted all this automation before. And a lot of firms weren't providing that. So now firms and a lot of other businesses are going to have to reevaluate how how they offer their service and really think about it from the customer standpoint. How could they offer a service in this day and age that's going to provide a spectacular customer experience and answer all their needs and do it from a completely remote standpoint? So I, I think that that's going to really be the key. What do you think are some of the tools that accounting firms will now start using in spite of this whole COVID-19 remote work situation? Well, I I think like, you know, the basic tools, you need to be able to communicate, right? So you have the basic communication tools like Slack and Zoom, and pretty much everyone's using this right now. But then, you know, if you're looking at it from an accounting firm standpoint, or if you're running an accounting department, you won't be able to do everything you need from your office. You won't be able to collaborate with your team using desktop accounting software. If you're a paper-based operation still, it's just not feasible anymore. So you're going to have to look at digitizing your workflows from A to Z, basically. So that's really going to come, it's going to really be dependent business to business. But 100% of workflows are going to have to be digitized. And there's a variety of tools that will be needed to help accomplish that. I think it's really funny because we have a few contractors that we work with and normally um, they would just mail us the invoice or something like that, but now they can't do that. So they're sending us the invoice as a PDF to our email, which then they're like, can you print this out and sign? (laughs) And I'm like, why don't you just get DocuSign? It just makes our life so much easier. Wow, I'm surprised to hear that actually, like that people are still (laughs) operating that way. It doesn't make sense to me, you know? And, you know, certainly when I started my online firm in 2013, it was a no-brainer for me to go paperless. And for me to hear that these sorts of things are still happening in 2020, I just think is crazy. Absolutely. I think it's like what you mentioned, it's the change management part. Um, people have been doing things the same way for a long time. And I guess they just don't see that there's a particular need unless you know they're losing out on something. Yeah. And like I said, I think like right now, people don't have a choice, right? So mm-hmm. if you don't adapt, you're not going to be able to survive. I totally agree. 
So in spite of the whole COVID-19 situation and with our podcast being the Spend Culture Stories podcast, I'm curious on whether you've seen, whether in your career or when working with firms, some new processes that companies now have to take when it comes to controlling spend. You probably know spending is one of the most important things a company needs to start to manage properly, especially with the whole economic downturn. Do you think there's any new things that need to start thinking about, any new adjustments for the processes? Yeah, I, I think like cash is really king right now. And I think you're seeing a lot of firms and a lot of accountants really being laser focused on how they could ensure that, you know, they're maximizing every dollar coming in or any dollar going out. And, you know, there's tools like Procurify, for instance, or there uh, that could help ensure that there's the proper approval processes for anything going out the door. But there's other tools out there that are going to be necessary to manage cash flow and make sure that you're really conserving what you have on hand as much as possible. So I think like, and if I look at a lot of firms that I'm speaking with right now, and a lot of the discussions that I'm seeing online, firms are really more focused than ever on helping their clients with cash flow. So anything that could help there is really the hot topic at the moment. So let's talk about that a little bit more. I'm curious on understanding what you've seen in their processes when it comes to your clients. So with cash flow, what are some of the common, I guess, pain points, especially when firms go remote? Pain points when firms go remote, well, when you look at what most firms provide as a service to their clients is mostly around tax compliance and mostly around making sure that, you know, the tax returns go out on time and bookkeeping is performed appropriately. You know, that's the bread and butter typically. And cash flow planning was kind of a bit of an afterthought. Yes, it's useful. Everybody wants it, but the main priority at hand typically is let's just get the compliance stuff out the door. But now more than ever, you're seeing more and more businesses in desperate need of cash flow planning and you're seeing the accounting firms and the accountants act as you know real financial advisors to help map out cash flow in the future, map out different kinds of scenarios like conservative scenarios, aggressive scenarios, and most likely scenarios, and really help plan what their cash reserves are going to look like down the road. Other things that I'm seeing at the moment, you know, I joined a company called Invoice Sherpa as an advisor earlier in 2020. And what they do is they help automate the collection of accounts receivable. So now you're seeing like, this is a service offering, like how could you help automate accounts receivable and and get cash in your bank a little bit more quickly. So any tool right now that can be bolted on to like a a service Mm -hmm. offering to help automate conserving cash or forecasting cash or receiving cash, like this is a hot topic right now. So I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about the scenario-based planning and also um, looking more forwards towards forecasting. What kind of tools can companies look at when it comes to looking um, for planning for the future? Because a lot of times you have to think conservative, but you also need to think about, okay, when this whole shebang is over, what do we want to do? Yeah, exactly. So recently, and we were speaking about this earlier, recently I wrote up an article on the 147 cloud accounting software apps on the market. And I had a a section on uh, cash flow. There's some cash flow apps in there. First off, I think one of the best tools for cash flow planning, a lot of people maybe would not love this answer, except if you're an accountant, is Excel. Microsoft Excel (laughs) is still a great tool. It's exceptionally powerful. You cannot replace the power that it has. 
However, it cannot automate much. So there's a lot of tools on the market that could help link to your cloud accounting system to pull in the relevant information and forecast that outwards. So, you know, there's tools like Float, uh, tools like Jirav, you know, a number of others on the market that are interesting and, and worth looking at. But basically what they allow you to do is do scenario planning. So you can say, you know, you know, I have 50 people on the team right now. What happens if I have to lay off five? What does my cash flow resources look like? Or or, you know, right now my targeted income for the coming year is $2 million. But let's say, you know, we're going to take a 50% hit, you know, over the next six mm-hmm. months. What would my cash reserves look like? So there's different kind of scenarios that you have to look at. And I think you have to be prepared as a business for the most likely scenario, the conservative estimate, but also an aggressive estimate. So there has to be a range of options that you're prepared for. Thank you so much for explaining it in a way that a non-accountant can understand. <laughs> no I know worries. sometimes when uh, people uh, use these buzzwords, it kind of flies over my head and I have to ask more questions. <laughs> no sweat, no problem. So with these centralized processes that you kind of mentioned, so making sure that you're tracking cash properly, making sure that everything has been approved properly, do you think that the way that people are starting to work now will kind of evolve past COVID-19? Or do you think people might want to go back to what they were doing before? So I think there's going to be permanent implications. Like this is a once in a lifetime type altering event. You know, we're going through some very, very big changes now. And nobody knows when the dust is going to settle and what that's going to look like. But certainly my expectation is there's going to be a much bigger push to a more distributed workforce. The tools and the infrastructure is being laid out at the moment. You know, you can see that happening because... We're recording on a piece of software right now called Zencaster. And then, you know, I'm using a webinar software called Crowdcast. And there's all these Mm -hmm. different types of platforms that haven't been able to keep up to speed with the demand and servers are just being hit really hard right now. So the infrastructure is being built out at the moment. You know, we didn't have that solid infrastructure before, but I think we're seeing it being built out more than ever right now. So we're going to be more prepared in the future to have a much more distributed workforce. People are going to become much more used to working at home and working remotely. It's going to be the new normal. So for me, this is just speeding up a trend that we saw coming for years now. This is going to be a a big part of what daily work life will look like. And because of that, we're going to have to have different kind of processes, different kind of technology, new ways of how we communicate with one another. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens once everything settles down. But definitely the way our life was a couple months ago is going to be completely different than what it will look like a few months from now as well. The scariest part about the situation is we don't know when it's going to end. So maybe some companies will move fully remote. I highly suspect so. (laughs) Because you spend so much overhead on rent and, you know, some people want to travel while working and they can still be productive. So why not? Yeah, I mean, you look at like the millennial and Gen Z generations and, you know, they're the ones that really want flexible work environment more more than any other generation before. And, you know, that Mm -hmm. that work-life balance and that flexibility is something that's been top of mind for a lot of people for a long time, but we have no choice at the moment. And again, I think this will just become the new norm. Yeah, I definitely think so too. I read one of your blog posts on your future firm blog um, that talks about some of your learnings from moving from a physical office to a remote accounting firm. Can you give us a roundup of some of these learnings that you've um, had throughout the time and maybe like a few highlights? 
Yeah, sure. What I share on Future Firm, so part of what I want to do with Future Firm is I started a cloud-based firm of my own in 2013 and took it all the way to acquisition in a five-year span. So I want mm-hmm. to kind of show others what my experience was like and kind of show them the ups, the downs, and help them kind of move forward a little bit more quickly. Part of what I do is through content on my blog. Part of what I do is through sending out a weekly newsletter, as you mentioned earlier in in the show. And shameless plug here, if anyone's interesting, any accountants out there are interested in getting that uh, weekly email from me, you can just head on over to www.futurefirm.co slash top five, five like the number. But in particular, with that article that you mentioned, I started my firm, although it was cloud-based in terms of how I dealt with clients, never met any clients in person, everything was remote and virtual, the whole team was centralized in a physical location. And I always felt that that was the only way with how you can kind of build a team culture and collaborate and work together. I felt that that was the best way to work with a team. But very quickly, I realized that more and more of the people I was hiring wanted that flexibility and they wanted to work from different locations. And we slowly gravitated to a hybrid model and then finally a fully remote model. And what I noticed was that, first off, a hybrid model is one of the most difficult models to operate because now you're managing two cultures instead of one. Mm-hmm. In a 100% in-office setup, everyone's together. In a 100% remote setup, everyone's distributed. But in a hybrid setup, you have some people in the office and some people distributed. So the dynamic is a lot different there. So a hybrid model is actually very difficult to manage. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult. Other things that I noticed is that there's none of that water cooler talk if you're a completely remote operation, and some people are probably experiencing that right now. And without being intentional about building processes around keeping the team together and managing culture, the culture will just dissipate, and you might find people feeling very distant to the company. So you have to be very intentional about building processes around culture. So those were a couple of observations that I've made. I mean, there was others as well that's talked about in my blog post, but those are a couple of things that come to mind at the moment. I'm definitely feeling the water cooler part. Um, <laughs> Procurify is like a super startup-y environment, and we're so used to you know having lunch together, yeah. and that's something that we're kind of really struggling on. We do miss our team. <laughs> yes, I could imagine. And I've known Procurify, like when I started Zen Accounting, I think Procurify was just starting as well. And I remember I was going to conferences, a lot of accounting conferences, and the Procurify team was always there. So I always felt that it was a pretty cool culture at the company. And I could imagine that now it must be a little bit different for all of you. We try to um, still keep the culture going with uh We have like these um, virtual lunches so you can log in and talk to people online. And then we have like, I think, a trivia night next week where we're going to do Zoom trivia. That's good. I mean, and that's like one thing that I did at Zen Accounting is like every few weeks we'd have a game session and a different team member would pick a different game and everybody would log into Zoom and you'd take 30 minutes or an hour of your day and you'd play a game together. It would be team building, you know, so you have to have Mm -hmm. some of those team building activities even when you're a remote team. I love that. That's super important. See, that's why you're one of the like forerunners in the industry. Now people are starting to get this, but you've been doing it before. So I'm glad um, you have all of these great resources for CPAs and other accountants that now they're working remote. Yeah, hopefully they're helpful to some people out there. 
So let's talk a little bit more about tools and also the team. I think one of the biggest problems that we've seen in both our clients and people that we've talked to is adoption when it comes to tools. So from your perspective, what do you think are some good practices to take to make sure that when you're introducing a tool to your team that it's usable and people are comfortable with it? You have to have someone on your team that like... I'm a technology guy. I love technology and I love tinkering around with technology. But when I first started my firm, at a certain point, I was too busy with other things and hired someone full time to just manage technology and, and test out different apps and test out workflows and think about how they would alleviate certain pain points of the team and, and things of that nature. So you have to have someone on your team that's going to take that into account. You know, you just can't slap a new piece of technology into the mix without thinking about how it's going to impact your team. Is it solving a problem? Is it alleviating pain points? And is it pleasant to you? You know, the user experience is incredibly important today. Nobody likes to use tools that are clunky and archaic, right? So it's very important that you have a tool that's user-friendly, easy to use, and that's solving problems and pain points in the company. I completely agree. I think um, the point that you said earlier about more millennials and Gen Zs joining the office, this is something that you know, I'm also a millennial. I really care about user friendliness. I will not want to use a software that I can't really just fiddle with and kind of figure it out. Of course, having a great support team would be good too. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. It's like the smartphone and iPad generation that just, you could pick up a device and figure it out in a matter of seconds, right? And that's how easy software has to be today. You know, if you need like a, a one month training program to train someone on this old piece of software, it's not going to be good for the team and it's not going to be good for your retention abilities because people are going to get frustrated with that. So with the new technology, since we're on that note, what do you think are some of the trends that we'll start seeing in the future when it comes to the vendor side of tech providers? What are some of the new and cool gadgets do you think will emerge in the market? That's a really good question. I wish I had the answer. I've been involved in the cloud accounting space since I'd consider the earlier days. And there's been a bit of a plateau when it comes to cloud. You know, I mean, there's still a huge opportunity and there's a ton of businesses that still need to move on to it. But for someone that's been involved in it for this many years, I don't see like anything that's really exciting me. We've all been talking about, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning and blockchain for many years now. And those are all the buzzwords. But when is that actually going to make a huge impact in our daily lives? That's still yet to be seen. We might need some sort of catalyst for that to happen. You know, we're seeing a catalyst right now with COVID-19 and remote work. So certainly these technologies are going to be more incorporated in our day-to-day lives. I figure they'd be more so at this point than they are. But those are still the emerging technologies at the moment. But other than that, it's hard for me to predict. I mean, things are just going to get more and more automated as we go. Yeah, I think it's super interesting that you've mentioned, you know, it's not that easy to predict. I think a lot of people think that using these buzzwords and, you know, mushing that into your product and making sure that somehow it fits, it's going to catch on to the market trends. But as you mentioned, it's not really something that's super usable or applicable right away. Like even at Procurify, um, when it comes to product innovation, one thing that we are trying to address right now is just real-time visibility. And even though Obviously, it's still a buzzword. I think in times like this, it's much more important than ever 
to make sure that you can get the data right away instead of waiting for, let's say, a few days until you can, you know, go back and analyze it manually. If you can get that insight, you know, on the fly, that's when people can really start making better decisions. That's what we've been seeing. We've been inching closer and closer to that real-time data availability as the years have moved on. People are more sophisticated with these tools at the moment. They understand how to connect different pieces of software together to automate processes. You know, so we're certainly much more advanced than we were a couple years ago, but we're still not at that real-time data availability yet. You know, so it's going to keep inching forward, but who knows when we'll actually hit that. Yeah, absolutely. We're not fortune tellers here. (laughs) (laughs) So before I let you go, Ryan, um, just because I think we are nearing the end of the interview time, I don't want to keep you too long. What do you think the future of spend will actually look like? So this is kind of relating to the past question, but more on the lines of spend culture. So um, let me just quick give you a quick like blurb about the spend culture. So at Procure 5, we've nailed this term called spend culture, which is essentially the attitudes and also the habits that a company forms when it comes to managing their spend and cash flow. So it's kind of embedded within the company culture and how you communicate these values to the employees and to other staff members and customers. So how do you think um, with COVID-19 and also with the future of cloud accounting, how to spend culture and these trends kind of flow together. Everything we've been talking about ties into this in some way, shape or form, right? If you're working remotely, you need the right tools in place. And if you have those cloud tools in place, you should be able to automate certain processes because when you're spending money, it's not just one person that makes a decision, especially at a larger company. So you need to collaborate and communicate with a variety of people on the team. So how could you do that as efficiently, as effectively as possible before that dollar comes out of the company? So Mm -hmm. tools like Procurify are helping to ease that collaboration and make things a little bit more efficient. But I also think like if we're talking about the future, if you're asking me about like where I see things going, you know, I think these types of tools will be able to automate some of that decision making to a certain extent using, again, that buzzword artificial intelligence. And we'll be able to kind of ping different users on the team for when there are certain exceptions arise when the app is not able to automate some of those decisions. So I think that's kind of where I would see the future go for you know this kind of technology and spend culture, as you say. So I think those are just a few things that come to mind for me. I think this kind of relates back to what we're talking about, too, with um, the new normal. Right now, it seems like it's so far ahead. But um, even if you compare 2013, when you started a you know, your own accounting firm. And when we started Procurify around that time till now, a lot of things that we thought that was, you know, super far-fetched is now a reality. So that's what it is. Yes, exactly. So I I would never have been able to predict that 100% of the firms out there right now would be remote. So that's one thing I never would (laughs) would have uh, thought was possible. But we're seeing that, like we both said previously, there's no other choice, right? And when you're faced with no Mm -hmm. other option, you're going to adapt. Exactly. Adapt or die. Well, Ryan, this was really great talking to you. I had um, a lot of fun and I learned a lot from you and I hope the audience has as well. I'll make sure to include links to your blog and also to the newsletter within the blog post of this podcast so that people can really get to it right away. I really do appreciate that, Danny. It was a real, uh, real pleasure with speaking to you and wishing you all the best. Thank you and stay safe. Same to you. Thanks for tuning in on another episode of Spend Culture Stories. If you like the series, please support us by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher. And be sure to subscribe so you can get notified of the newest episodes. 
We try to post every episode every Wednesday. This podcast is sponsored by Procurify, a software solution that is reinventing the way organizations spend. Procurify allows an accessible and convenient way to request for purchases, get approval from your manager, while allowing your finance team to get the visibility and control you need on every purchase. Learn more about Procurify at www.procurify.com.